0: Hello, we are Citizen Architect, a student-run think tank that seeks to bridge the gap between architecture, culture, and society. We started this podcast to serve as a platform where we can question architecture's role in a broader context and engage social, economic, and political issues in conversation with all types of stakeholders in the industry. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of our origins and our hopes for this platform, let's introduce the team that brought you this podcast. I am Jennifer and I'm from Colombia. My name is Rihanna and I'm from the Philippines.
1: My name is George and I'm from New York City.
2: I'm Julie and I'm from Taiwan. And I'm Ji and I'm from Korea. So before Citizen Architect
0: came to be, we banded together for a common cause. An unsettling sense of helplessness overcame us as unprecedented events unfolded right before our eyes. The pandemic, The murder of George Floyd, the sieges of democracy in Hong Kong and the Philippines. 2020 proved to be an explosive year for awareness on social issues across the globe. Wanting to tie these back into our own reflections as architecture students, we began an informal forum called Big Red Talks, where working professionals and students could have open discussions on topics such as gender inequality, social injustice, gentrification, and our role as architects. To talk more about the genesis of this initiative, we welcome our guest today, Lily Chi. Lily is a professor of architecture at Cornell University. Her teachings and studio investigations cover topics in 18th to 21st century theory and criticism, urban temporalities, and questions of location and globalization in the contemporary city. We feel fortunate to have Lily as our first guest. As a professor, She has gone above and beyond to open our eyes to the reality of architecture and its impact on people, to think critically and constantly question our place in the discipline, and to use our student voice to start initiatives such as the Big Red Talks Forum, as well as this Citizen Architect podcast. So thank you for joining us for our very first podcast, Lily. I think the first question we want to ask um, was what went through your mind when you first read our proposition for the forum? Because when we thought about who would be the best person to contact for guidance on bringing this vision to life, you were the first person that came to mind.
3: Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. This is super, um, it's a super honor. Um, I'm really proud and impressed um, by what you did actually on your own initiative, on your own time. It's not even related to school. So, so anyway, I'm I'm super impressed, and I think it went really well. So, um, yes. I was I was really I was really impressed. I thought that it was a something that you would be doing, you know, maybe in the distant future. I had no idea you were going to leap on it immediately and actually get it started. I was shocked, and I was amazed by how quickly you pulled it together and how organized you were um, in getting the speakers together. Um, I thought the the uh, meetings were incredible I think the conversations were really great so yeah I was impressed I think I think I did tell you that um I was kind of in a funk kind of depressed about something or other um I think for all the work I was doing that wasn't going anywhere um and I was really inspired I I remember you know I went to Facebook and I rarely go on Facebook because I think it's an evil company but I went on Facebook and I just wanted to share. And I said, "Look what these folks are doing." And you know, I, I just feel like this is this is a bright day—the first bright day I've seen since the shutdown—and I was really inspired. So thank you for that. And I continue to be inspired. I mean, as I told you, we worked really hard over the summer to get, um, you know, to get the school year started. It was really tough. But every day I look forward to 8:30 in the morning. <laughs> on Tuesdays for the conversations, and I always left feeling really, um, you know, revitalized. And I know that the folks who joined in, you know, of their own time, you know, everything from the Dean of USC to young alumni in New York City, I think they felt the same. They really enjoyed it. And many of them, you know, continue, as you know, to to be with us week after week.
0: Yeah, I mean, we couldn't have done it without you. I think... When we first talked about doing this forum, we thought about doing it just a one-time thing. And we were really surprised with the response you got when you posted it on Facebook, and it became this whole series, and we got to grapple all, all, like, different topics, and it was very, it was very inspiring to see the the willingness of your colleagues and the alumni to join in and just, you know talk to us about these issues that concern us and concern our education um for you what do what was your favorite takeaway from from brt
3: um i think it was just the incredible um directness and the concrete experiences that people were sharing you know we had young alumni from all over first of all i haven't Talked to these folks for a long time. So I was super proud of them where they've gotten to. I taught them when they were, I don't know, little babies, no. Um, you know, they graduated, what, I mean, 20 years ago, some of them, but some of them much more recently. And I'm super proud at how thoughtful um, and how diverse their experiences are. And I also learned a lot from their voices, you know. So, you know, we being in Ithaca um, and my life being focused around teaching. Um, I don't have a lot of contact with young alumni. I don't have a lot of contact with the profession uh, in terms of the day-to-day experiences. And you know, they're working in very diverse areas. They're not just doing the office thing. You know, they're involved in various startups and practices all over the world. And, um, and I think that the insights that they continue to have no matter what their work is, is really amazing. You know? uh, I mean, obviously it was a self-selected group, but I think it says something about uh, the Cornell education that even though we didn't talk about these things explicitly, um, you know, there were no courses on, um, I don't know, racism and justice at that time. And, and yet, you know, these were individuals who took it off upon themselves, you know, to, to make, to raise these questions. So, um, you know, a lot of them I did teach in the third year B-Arc. And, and that was the year that we deal with programming and various other things, and I thought that, you know, if we want to talk about program, we shouldn't just, oh, so the idea is, you know, the building in the city with a complex program, you know, and, you know, programming in itself says something about how you envision the places of habitation, the places of social exchange, so I always made it, um, I made it that a pedagogical interest, you know, how to make students, to bring, you um, students to awareness of the subtle boundaries and the subtle spaces that happened before between people, between groups, before it becomes a wall or facade or morphologies, you know? And so I often did, you know, in the old Rand Hall, we often did um, installations. The point is that um, I think, yeah, so I was super impressed by the conversations. You know, the other thing I think is that when we deal with justice, and questions of social justice and equity or lack thereof. Um, I think that the global scene reminds us how, di- how different uh, the challenges are, you know? So, um, yeah. So anyway, it, it was really eye opening. I also really enjoyed, um, you know, folks who come in, uh, like, like Milton Curry coming in to talk about development. Um, great advice. I was super touched by the fact that he caught up at, I don't know, what time was it? We began at 10? So it was seven o'clock? Seven, yeah. <laughs> and there he was in his tie and suit and ready to talk to you in the most professional, articulate way that I could never muster at 7 a.m. in the morning. So anyway, it was great. It was really a highlight of the summer.
0: The diverse array of guests that we had really brought some rich insight into the different topics that we had each week and I really appreciated that not everyone pursued architecture after. We had all sorts of faculty come in with their expertise and also practitioners, um, alumni, and it was great to hear all their different opinions, their different insights into the things that we were really interested in. but for you, what did you see as like a constant theme in the conversations that we were having each week? Because we definitely went through a lot of different topics, but I feel like in some way there was a common thread um, throughout all of them.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, many people talked about how it was important to look at the context of architecture and that there are multiple ways of enacting uh, architectural thinking in this context, you know, that architectural, the skills, quote unquote, that you have um, enable to you to affect spaces, um, contexts, environments in many, many different ways. And that tactical uh, work on the environment is something that we should all consider. So, you know, people talked about, I don't know. I mean, uh, um, you know, media talked about, um, you know, involving others through, uh, you know, nonprofits, um, activists, groups, you know, folks who may not be directly within um, uh, a project setting as client or, uh, yeah, or or professional consultants in the area of building, but who are really kind of important either as stakeholders or as people who have access to information or who can support um, the project um, reach, you know, multiple constituencies or even to open up avenues or even to raise questions that we within the profession um, don't necessarily see. So, you know, again, I I love your title, um, Citizen Architect. Um, because many of them do raise this whole question, you know that yes, being a professional is one thing, but uh, the kind of questions that, and concerns that you're raising here has to do with being a good citizen and how do you? I guess the question is yes, we can all be citizens individually, but how can we contribute in our specific expertise,s and our our forms of knowledge as a citizen? And I think that's the key because, um, and I, I think that that's the balance that you wanna you wanna see because. Um, Yes, you can do multiple things, but what is it that you bring to the table that nobody else can? And so I, I, I'm not sure that you would wanna abandon architecture and become legal theorists necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to know how to reach somebody who can give you that information, but, but at the same time, what can you bring as um, a professional who deals with the in-between? Right, and and I think that all of the things that you're learning in school now are really great for that. So you know, so on the one hand, yes, expanding, as many people said, and on the other hand, bringing to the table something as well. I mean, what do you think? Do you is that uh, what you saw as well? I'm sort of curious what you guys think of the conversations.
0: I agree. I would have to say the whole reason for us naming this podcast "Citizen Architect" was because it was always compartmentalized. We have our education, we're architecture students, and then you go out and then you're a citizen, you can become an activist, but then there wasn't any overlap or we didn't see how our studies or our future as architects fed into us being a citizen as well. And I guess like the main question that sort of pushed us to start this podcast was how can we bring action from these conversations like how do we bring this out into the real world whether it be it be in practice or in our education what does that look like to you
3: mm-hmm. right right i guess we we heard many ways of doing that too right i mean uh we heard the suggestion that sometimes it means saying no you know we heard some really kind of disturbing. Anecdotes about some of our famous firms that we look up to who who participate in rather reprehensible projects, you know, and surely they know what they're giving their talents to. And then on the other end, we also heard about how um, yes, I mean, I guess I could personally say that we 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 bring Specific skills and talents and ways of asking question to the table, and then there are others who said, you have to step beyond the uh, the making of physical spaces and, and um, works. That there are other ways of being an architect or being architects um, that that involve the everyday world. You know that there's forms of activism. Um, that go beyond just design that are just as uh, I guess architecturally relevant so it was a big spectrum which is great it's kind of liberating right it says that um, there are many many ways in which you do have agency you know and I think I agree with you absolutely there needs to be um, I guess at least raising this as a uh, as a question and and Opening, you know, students' awareness to the spectrum of possibilities of uh, of being an activist or being or having agency in the social, political, and cultural world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was—I uh, forgot one sort of detail amongst um, the speakers who talked about how architecture brings special expertise, and that was, um, I think, Aaron Pologrino, um, You know, speaking very, very specifically and concretely. Um, about how to uh, leverage the sort of professional skills and the professional activities um, in strategic and tactical ways. So, you know, that is about sharpening, you know, uh, capacities that we have, but sharpening your awareness and your use of those tools and those abilities and those roles. So it's quite a, quite a menu of possibilities, and and maybe this should be built into the professional practice, you know, that whoever teaches professional practice, and I think Erin would be super great, secret. Um, But anyway, um, uh, this should be part of that, right? Or maybe it's part of thesis prep, you know? I mean, I think that that's what's kind of interesting is that um, um, thesis could be a way, in fact, maybe I'm gonna change my mind. I think thesis prep should be, should raise these questions, right? So that uh, because I think many emarchs actually do thesis work that actually raises these questions because it's the first time students are able to design their own project and decide their own role and and while a thesis project is is kind of a fiction in the sense that you know it's all about you (laughs) you are the person you carry the burden of everything um and so there's still a limit to that but but I think that uh having a more informed conversation about the critical roles that you could play even within the fiction and the finitude of a, a thesis setup would be helpful i think but you know to really carry that out of course you can't be just you and you and the project and your advisors that's what makes it you know more difficult but anyway
1: yeah i definitely like i hear all of that and i think it's important to you know you know, the nature of our work is so interdisciplinary and like we put on so many hats and we learn all these things. And at least in my experience, you know, I'm coming from a background in animal science and art and, you know, I, while I still love science, I wasn't satisfied with how um, my education was teaching me how to use science. And I think it's really important how we look at how we're using all of our tools and our abilities and our roles, um, how that can be brought into our, like, professional practice, you know, in the long run or the careers that we see ourselves going I'm like, the ideas of thesis, how you design your role. And I think that's an important thing, too, like, with this podcast, we we're designing our role again, our education, um, creating more conversations that involve topics we wanted to be interested in. Um, And I think, again, with the importance of our education, it always comes back to pedagogy. Um, And when you think about pedagogy, like, what do you think is, you know, crucial in developing that? Like, how, what role does interdisciplinary work play? How do you question what's going on? How do things shift?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, that's a really tricky thing in a professional degree, too, you know, because on the one hand, you know, I mean, this is where I might... I have a slightly different opinion from some of the guests, which is that, um, as a professional, you do carry some weight, you know, that professional affiliation gives you open certain doors to have impact, but to get to become that professional, you have to do a number of things. You know, you, you have to acquire certain kinds of skills and certain forms of knowledge and, uh, and that's tough to do. In three and a half years or two and a half years or even five years you know and um and so you know how to bring uh interdisciplinary cross-disciplinary expertise or at least experience into those three and a half years two and a half years five years is really tough so we can't do it all you know we can't um we can't teach you everything but but i think you can prepare students to ask those questions you know in the way that we let's say teach theory and history right um and i think that maybe you know even in the design i mean here i'm being completely um biased obviously but i think even the cornell design program in the sense that um, there is a lot of emphasis on design as inquiry meaning that um, you know, given this, you know, how do you read this in order to do that? You know, I think that's sort of cross-relational, you know, the, the sort of uh, experimental approach to coming into an idea. Well, I always found the word idea very problematic because it sounds so singular and simple, but it's actually not. It's like a web of relationships that you, you spin by, in you know, by engaging in an inquiry about a particular context. So anyway, so I think even though that's focused on producing an object or producing an artifact or producing a finite architectonic construct of some sort, I think it it helps a little bit. And so if you tie that sort of investigative, creative endeavor to theory history courses that problematize context, and also problematize intentions, or at least looks at design intention as having broader effect than the kind of works produced. Then I think that those two things really help students ask their own questions and then decide which, you know, what courses they're gonna take outside of architecture. I think because interdisciplinary is so broad, you know, it should really be up to the students, but I think you're right, you know, planting the seed that the knowledge uh, that one needs to really kind of be active and contribute um, socially and culturally is broad really broad um but anyway yeah so getting back to this theory history so i you know it is sort of question now uh, whether we teach architectural intentions design intentions right because of course just because the architect intends it doesn't mean that things work out that way but i think we do need to address intentions too because intentions frame because right now you know Think about the thesis right the thesis project you set up an entire opus you decide who the users are who the clients are where the context is how much you're going to deal with how much history you're going to deal with how much history you're not going to deal with who you're not going to deal with so intentions are everything when it comes to design and, and it is still the case even when you go out professionally even though that those intentions are going to be mediated by all sorts of other conditions much more than in school and so in school intentions are the driving force, right, of a project. You set, you start out. Faculty sets out something. You make a decision about how you're going to start, and then you pursue. And we never ask, what do you mean when you say those things? You know, what what does it mean when you prioritize this or that? Where are the roots of all that? What you know, what are some similar sort of approaches to that, and what were they t- tied to? The idea that um, you know, the perceiving body is the universal basis for uh, formal spatial creativity and invention is still what we work with. That's what we still assume. We can't assume that there's some sort of common set of ideas that we can strive for, right? We still assume that the, the architectural subject, the user, the client, the observer, is a sentient body. And so kind of unpacking where that came from, what as the agendas were associated with it the fact that there was incredible utopian hope associated with these things and also some huge blind spots right was kind of important because um, it says that you know the things that we are still doing is rooted somewhere and they came with certain agendas and they also were ignorant of other agendas so anyway so i think that theory design theory not just architectural theory, but design theory is kind of important in, in basically problematizing, um, or at least showing the stakes involved when one takes certain decisions about um, how to design and what premises you go forward with in, in you know, starting a design project. Anyway, so you know, getting back to interdisciplinary and, and um, how to acquire the knowledge to be a good citizen or to at least contribute as a citizen. Um, Yes, it takes kind of breadth of knowledge, but it also takes a certain kind of critical awareness.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. I really appreciate, you know, bringing in intention um, and driving it. Because I think, again, like intention within our own experience or like, again, in our theses or in our design and the importance of intention and theory, um, I think are really important skills when we are learning um, and looking at everything, and I think, I think in our education of, like, being engaged, but also, you know, taking the boxes, because, again, you know, being a professional program, I think we tend to lose sight of those things, um, and I wonder, like, being, how such things can be more incorporated, I guess, in when we have these conversations, or when we are looking at our degree requirements, or things like that, and, um, I think that's the part where you have to mediate, where it's, like, we learn the tools, but we also need to learn, like, the, the awareness, the context of it, and I think I, I wonder, like, how, how, again, I think it's probably more on the basis of the individual, um, but learning, you know, how things like these stringent requirements can bring us more into these conversations, you know, not that you know, every typical architect can draw a beautiful floor plan in CAD, but, you know, they have this intention of, you know, bringing a community together or something like that. Well, you know, I I like,
3: I'm totally in agreement with Erin that the mechanics actually are really important because they are the way, they're the, the, the raw material for a kind of tactical practice, you know, whether it's, fire stairs position not just for egress but you know what else can they do right or ways of writing a contract right it's the mechanics where you can the mechanics that allow you to play hacker to accomplish more than what they the specific tool or the specific provision is intended that's because you know again architects are not gonna do things accomplish things on their own right i mean um you need capital, you need power, and we're kind of low on the totem pole in both, but we can be, um, we can be tactical. You know, did I ever mention to you, I think we had this conversation in one of the sessions, maybe it was the one with Aaron, where, you know, we were talking about how it's really important to know all the mechanics, like, it's not just boring stuff, it's, you know, it's your tools, the hacker's box, right? And I didn't, I wanted to say that, you know, the myth of the first architect, the first Greek, you know, Greek mythical architect Daedalus, um, you know, his, um, his, what he was skillful for was not just inventiveness, but, you know, if you look at all the stories, he was always outwitting something. You know, he was outwitting the bull. He was like, you know, making wings to fly away, et cetera, et cetera, right? His son wasn't so lucky with that, but, Um, so the idea is that, you know, the key to, uh, the architectural, the architect as a figure is actually not just, um, you know, the specific ability to make things, but the ability to outwit, you know, outwit reality and the the limits of reality. And of course you could do that for good or for bad, but, but the idea to kind of take the given and do something slightly different with it, the trickster. In other words, right, and uh, and so if you pair that with the the, the you know well, well what does it mean to to be able to um, outwit a limit to kind of overcome a limit through cunning is to be able to think beyond you know what people teach you beyond the concept the given right it's about being able to kind of look behind and say well yeah you tell me I could do that but I could also do this with that you know. So that might be a way, uh, might be a more fruitful way of thinking about the mechanics and the, uh, you know, the professional uh, content of your education. It empowers you with um, the tools to, uh, the mechanics, I guess, to um, tinker, you know, for the, for, bringing other agendas in that are not normally part of a, an architectural project's agenda.
1: Yeah, I think that's, um, I think it, it's, it's, I think, or at least with our generation, like we've seen a lot going on. I think, you know, the generation before us was more complacent in it, or they had the tools, but they didn't mobilize the tools. And I think that's in an important conversation, at least I think in how we direct so many of these conversations or how we direct our interactions with one another with the state, with the school, um, and I think, you know, it's really important when we talk about planting these seeds of, you know, being tricksters or subversing the system, because, like, if you build a fire stair or something, but it happens to have an alcove, so a person who's houseless can have somewhere to sleep that's dry for the night, No, thinking about things like that, and I think that's important, too, you know, when we think about You know how we how we again plant these seeds but like for future architects or for future people who come into this program um how we can build more of these systems and maybe it's not about building something rigid like how how we move forward with having these conversations if it's like the nature of it being student-run the nature of it being student-led then would something like putting it in the curriculum, would that change the nature of it? Would it just become another requirement? Um, and I think, again, behind that is like motivation. But, you know, I think when I think about these things too, um, I think it's really important how we move forward, how we keep people motivated, you know, how we have an impact on one another, maybe not in explicitly in the curriculum. Maybe it's not at all about that, but maybe it's more motivation from one another. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think that's really important um, that it's student-run and it's bottom-up, you know. I I mean, you came to me for some advice, and I felt really guilty when I came back to you and said, oh, these people want to join your forum. I felt really guilty because it's like, well, I should have let you do that. And I, I purposefully did not go out and ask other people. I could have because there were people. I, I did ask Milton Curry, by the way, he, but, um, but I didn't because I just really felt that it was really important that it wasn't a lecture series or whatever that, you know, um, somebody wiser or more experience takes over. And so the fact that it sort of was spontaneous was really important. So I think that, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, yes, in terms of curriculum, I think that certainly we should raise some of, you know, or at least bring certain kinds of content, like for maybe professional practice. So I think something like that as a kind of staple is really great you know, a staple elective for those who want to do it. But I do think that um, inciting others to join, you know, and uh, I'm so glad that you're not graduating this year as the third year classes or the fourth year class is doing, and, um, but maybe because you're in third year and you have another year and a bit, um, that you could start sort of planting the seeds, you know, um i do think it's important that students do it and maybe they do it slightly differently but to inspire them to do it i think you're right the self-initiative is really important you know rather than the requirement or um so whether it's a forum that gets uh, a kind of revolving leadership you know or
1: um membership i think that's uh, an important step too we do have to think about is you know how we include more voices from other years in our program and also um again i think what this looks like or i think i wonder you know i don't know if it's like a thing that you know people always want to do these self-directed things like if it was like say like an elective or something that you know you had to um be like oh come up with something like just a project it doesn't have to be a thesis Mm -hmm. although it is a thesis in a way but um I think too. We on our side of it, we have the, um, you know, the student conversations, but also I, I, I think a lot of us sometimes wonder too, like what you know those professor conversations look like too. Um, how, you know, the professors sitting at the table making the decisions for curriculum, for agenda, et cetera, And I think you know I've been clued into some things, and I think there's there's so many cogs and gears that go with it. Um, how we think that um we you know of course as students we have our own best interests in mind and we wonder too you know how professors to have that interest in mind of with students having agency
3: i was thinking you know there might be other other variables too that you could consider you know i mean if i could you know uh, to contribute to this conversation of how you want to brew the the soup and how you want to age it and mellow it and all that and and you know the variations you want to do so i'm thinking about why this is so valuable and what ways it's valuable. On the one hand, you're gonna diversify the voices that become part of your formation as a student or as a student in the program. So yes, you're inviting, I mean, I think alumni are really important that way, right? Because they can give you the um, post facto experience and um, insight. Um, So that's one thing is to hear other voices and other professional um, suggestions. But I also think that part of the, um, part of the value is the conversation among students and the ability of students to voice questions. And so, I mean, so far, you know, this is the first time that where I actually hear a lot more from you, you know? And I'm wondering whether there's some way in which you could have, some of them are really about bringing students together to talk about. I don't know, a question that you frame. To, to keep it productive, I would just frame a really challenging question, a provocative question, you know, and then this could be something that you parallel, as you say, you know, the curricular issues have to do with the toolbox that you're building to be that professional, and then you do this because you're, you're interested in the question of how you form yourself, who you're going to be.
2: I think with citizen architect, we also wanted to extend the conversation beyond just the academic sphere, but also people who are working. Mm -hmm. That was really insightful to hear from people um, out there and also I think they showed a lot of enthusiasm, because when you're in the real world and not in the academic sphere, you might be less inclined to have these conversations in the first place. So um, being able to continue these conversations beyond our years in the program would be awesome. Yeah. So um, we hope that Citizen Architect can also inspire people to take these initiatives.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly see it that the, um, the folks who joined us were, were really happy to talk to you. And, and, and we had also faculty from other schools who were, as you know, took notes because they want to teach a course and, and something and, um, or they wanted to start, or they wanted to advise students who are interested in a similar question. So there were a lot of people like, um, who were really interested in your form and were, were paying close attention. So congratulations for that too.
2: I also think there's such strength in numbers as well. Um, and we can always talk about, oh, we want to do these, types of projects and then we have people like bruce who have gone and done it and lived it so we can learn from those ropes and perhaps hopefully collaborate with the people who have also inspired us
3: yeah you know the other thing is um it's also a networking right so bruce is now knows who you are He's interested in your efforts, you could contact Bruce to hear about more about that kind of work, he would be super interested to advise you, right? So that's the third way in which, so on the one hand, it's exposure to different voices um, that could, you know, enlarge the, the, I guess, the territory that you might want to occupy. Number two, it's a way for you to voice, or students, let's say, to voice their questions and concerns and and challenge each other maybe or or support one another then the third thing is um it could give you uh ways to find out about other practices to network right and, and i don't mean network in the sense of you know how do i get a job but but in a way it's about um just knowing you know what how architects have moved through the world or or what folks you could maybe contact to develop um, an area of um engagement let's say
4: i wanted to just say something to you lily um like earlier when i was hearing you talk about how this is a student initiative and how the role that you played i think that um it should be taken very like seriously because it's very important to pair an educator that kind of like exposes us to this critical thinking and then students as you said like independent thinkers and um because i think in the profession sometimes um, architecture is oversimplified or isolated and it is very like it it, there's not enough emphasis to put in it's not just us students but it's also our educators and the schools that we go to Mm -hmm. so um i just think that one of the main takeaway from brt is that we we, that we want to bring into this um podcast is the exposure that we have to different professionals and what it means to break out of the classroom of like that structure that is embedded in that so we just wanted to thank you again and
3: oh no thank you, thank you. it was it was great learning i, I learned a lot from all the meetings and it, it's a great it's a great creative project that you've you've made and very timely too
1: Yeah, I think this is like a really awesome, really productive conversation. Again, wanted to thank you so much for joining us. Like, we are so happy that we could have you again and talk and do all these things. Um, And so at the end of each podcast, um, we want to ask our guests a question. And the question is, what is a citizen architect for you?
3: Citizen architect looks at the discipline beyond its disciplinary boundaries. Uh, understands and engages the ways in which um, the social, uh, environmental and material context of architecture is part of his or her thinking and is uh, creative in her and his use of um, architectural agency to include that broader context in the works that they
1: um, produce.